you freaking auto? This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Good morning. Happy Monday. Getting the week started off the right way. Although no Brock, no Salk, no Justin. Now, who's left? Dang. It's You're me. here, Maura. Maura Dooley is here. I'm here as well. Mike Lefko with you. We'll have some fun today, Maura. You're just you're gonna hold it down for the next couple of days. We will both do that as well. Uh I think the whole crew's gone for what, two days? Monday, Tuesday, then people yeah. are back. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you heard what happened Friday. It might be my fault. Um I was having some bad allergies. Justin uh has bad allergies all the time, and I Uh-oh. knew he had some medicine here. So I asked him if I could have some of his. And then later he goes, well, the last time I took these, I took two. And I, was, I got really tired. And I was like, are these not non-drowsy? Like, and it was a little pink pill, like a Benadryl. And I was like, did you give me non-drowsy, like, Benadryl? Because I'm about to, I'm going to fall asleep. And, yeah, sure enough, I think it was, like, I, I was very tired. And I, I made some mistakes. And I kind of feel like they didn't want to come back today. You took drowsy medicine. Before yes. trying to host the show. Yeah, or was after, it dur- after getting up at 4 a.m. <laughs> oh, that's a disaster. Yeah, recipe yeah, for disaster no, I, there. So. I made a few mistakes on the board on Friday. And so, they, uh, they've, they enjoyed it. Maybe, making so, fun of me. Maybe they, uh, they just all took the drowsy allergy medicine. That's why they're not here. No, um, Justin's <laughs> gone all week, right? Justin and, drugged and, me. Yeah. Uh, and then Brock and Salk will be back. Uh, I made the joke. That I think they're just camped out for Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah, of course. You could kind of sense, honestly, you could kind of sense the... The buzz and the excitement building up around the stadiums yesterday after leaving the Mariners game, it was like, oh, everyone's getting ready for Lumen Field, a big, big thing happening there on Saturday. So it will kind of be a crazy weekend, not to just kind of blow past everything and jump to next weekend already. But do you know what's happening next weekend around that area? You have Taylor Swift. You have the Mariners and Blue Jays series, which just, you know, the chaos of all the Canadians coming down and swarming mm-hmm. in with that. And then, uh, yeah, all that converging at once on, uh, on Saturday. Wow. Do you have your Taylor Swift tickets yet? No, I no. think uh, I'm going to avoid that area as much as possible on Saturday. <laughs> well, the, the Mariners did have to move their game, 110 game on Saturday. Yeah. And usually, yeah, you get a great Saturday night crowd. You get Blue Jays, Mariners. It's uh, always a sellout and it's a night game usually, but nope. Taylor Swift takes over unless she's a big Mariners fan and, and pops in beforehand. You never know. Are you not? You're not a Taylor Swift person, are you? That's I, I don't, don't see that I, being your style. I don't dislike her, but I wouldn't say I'm uh, like a what are they called a Swifty? Yes, I yeah. believe so. So that shows my level of fandom. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the Mariners did get uh, a win over the Tigers, but they lost the series. They got a win. They got a win <laughs> over the Tigers. It's just. Uh, it was a strange, strange series because when you salvage a series like that, winning on Sunday certainly is inherently better than winning on Friday or Saturday and then losing with a chance to win the series. But the flip side of that is you went into Sunday almost playing a meaningless game for the sake of, well, and yeah, we lost the series. Now it's just uh, saving face and getting that. And they did. So I don't know. It's, it's a strange dynamic of how do you feel coming out of that one because the Friday and Saturday sting has worn off a little bit 
But it's still, oh, they lost the series to the Tigers after all that momentum going into the All-Star break. The great All-Star week in Seattle, the buildup, the potential of what could be coming out of it. And then Friday and Saturday happened. And I, th- I think that's what we were a little afraid of with finally seeing that momentum and feeling like there might be a corner turn before the All-Star break. Like, is this going to mess that up? And yeah, it just felt a lot like what we saw in the first half where they they come out and have pretty poor at bats and you know when they get behind early it doesn't feel like they can get back in it and then you know okay you get one win but that was a that was a rough way to come back from the all-star break it was not what we wanted to see we'll get into this a little bit more at seven but is this just the most confusing team like the Mariners you just you can never really figure out who they are or for me, at least, I keep getting duped into thinking, okay, they've turned the corner. Mm-hmm. All right, this is it. The Mariners have finally showed all of their potential. It's come together. They have found the magic formula. They found the something that's been missing. And then they, they lose the Tigers. Yeah. It's just a, it's a very confusing team. I don't know whether now that has become the standard. Whether the inconsistency is the consistency. And whether you just have to think, okay, this is who they are. This is a Mariners team that is going to be wildly erratic and they will be able to beat anyone in baseball and then they'll also be able to lose to anyone in baseball. And I think I'm coming to terms with that this late in the season, mid-July, as we work our way into the final few months of the season that, all right, maybe the Mariners are just uh, so wildly erratic that they're consistently inconsistent. I, Yeah, and I think that might speak a little bit to... We were talking earlier about off air about Larry Stone's article on whether this is one of the most disliked teams here. I I think it's not that people dislike seems like such a harsh word, but yeah, I think that it's that frustration from not being able to figure this team out. It's like, who are you? Why are you such a mystery? Stop doing this to us. Like we keep hearing that all of these guys, Tay Oscar and Colton Wong and. Every, I mean, even Ty France, we expected more from that. They're like, they're just, they're not hitting what we've seen from them throughout their entire career. So this has to break at some point. They're like, this is just an anomaly. And then it's like, no, no, I think that their their approach is not good at the plate half the time, and they're not changing that. The uh, there, there's an article that David Schoenfield wrote that we're going to talk to him about. Actually, he wrote a couple of things in the last few days, and they're cranking out content. The first half grades and the second half previews. So pretty good lineup today. We are we are stacked with guests. We have Shannon Dreyer at 7:30, Michael Bumpus playing the role of Brock Heward for Blue 48 at 7:45, and then David Schoenfield from ESPN.com, who you know has a good pulse on the Mariners and Mariners fandom. They wrote a big, comprehensive second-half storylines thing, and in there, there was a little tidbit about the Mariners and their strikeout men. You know, the four guys who have so many strikeouts this year, Suarez, Hernandez, Kelnick, and Julio, and the fact that all four of them are on pace for like 180 strikeouts, which no team has ever had that many people do it in a single season. And I think in there it said, no team has ever had more than two do that in a single season. Uh, uh. So, yeah, you see things like that, and it just kind of boils down to the the maddening nature of the offense. And one thing I want to ask Shannon about at 7.30, so Ty France, you don't expect that out of Ty France. You don't expect the swing and miss we've seen, the, the struggles that he's had at the plate, and Scott Service bumped him down to seventh yesterday, yeah. the lowest that he has hit in his Mariners career. 
batted seventh, and he still struggled. You know, another 0 for 3 day. So I kind of want to ask Shannon about uh, maybe what she's seen about Ty France, if it's mental now, kind of getting into he's not used to this inconsistency, so that's weighing on him, if she thinks there are some lingering injury concerns. But, yeah, you add the the big boomer bus guys in, in those four, and then Ty France, and this lineup has just so much that you can't count on day in and day out. Yeah, and I think it just puts so much pressure on the pitchers. Like, thankfully, Bryce Miller came through yesterday, but you had your two guys that were in the All-Star game starting the two days before that, and because, you know, you didn't get the lead early and you couldn't muster any offense, you couldn't get those wins. I just hate the position that it puts the pitching staff in because they are pretty phenomenal but yeah, Ty, Ty France, man, I don't, I don't know. I heard, I felt like the last couple of years because I honestly think he hasn't shown us that he can hit the way that we've seen in small samples consistently this mm-hmm. entire time. But Saul kept saying it was because of injuries, and now this season, I think you have to question that. And the trade deadline's coming up. Would you consider trying to upgrade at first base? Hmm. He's very good defensively. I mean, that was the yeah. the big question mark about not having Evan White there. Well, can Ty France just pop in and, and play first? And he's been solid. I think maybe, not that uh, Dylan Moore is a first baseman, but maybe that was jarring when you saw, oh, Dylan Moore makes a kind of a easy miss there after Ty France was ejected on Friday. So he is solid enough at first base, and I think until uh, the bat had had these questions. But yeah, it's an interesting puzzle that... I don't think you had to worry about until these last few weeks or even months with Ty France because he was the guy at the the top of the order there. So, yeah, it is uh, it's a lot of questions. Nothing really solved there with the Mariners. I guess the only saving grace is that a lot of other teams are struggling. They're still there. Somehow the Mariners are still, you know, within striking distance of the wild card because you have the Yankees faltering. Uh, the Angel, the Angels have faltered. The Astros still look wildly inconsistent, even though they found a way to get the series against the Angels. We'll kind of dive into that because the Angels had an opportunity and it might lead them to uh, consider changing their stance on Shohei Otani. They... They lost that Astro series in a pretty heart-wrenching fashion last night. And I was kind of conflicted about if I was happy or mad <laughs> or, you know, you don't want to see the Astros ever do anything well, but seeing the Angels kind of plummet might convince them to get rid of Shohei Otani. And, you know, we can dig into over the next few weeks what the Mariners might have to offer. So, yeah, the Angels are falling. The Twins, uh, we'll see what they have to offer. We're going to get into that series a little bit more at 7 o'clock. But, yeah, a lot coming up today on the show Shannon Dreyer at 7.30, Michael Bumpus, Blue 88 at 7.45, and then David Schoenfield at 8.30. Mike Lefko, Maura Dooley in here. You're listening to Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. And the Mariners salvaged the series against the Tigers yesterday. 2 to nothing win. Jared Kelmick's RBI double in the first and Cal Raleigh's homer in the fourth. That was the difference. That was all they needed uh, against the Tigers offense that was really shut down. Bryce Miller, five scoreless innings in his return off the IL, plus four one-hit innings from the bullpen, and it's a recipe for a win. More, I think it kind of got lost a little bit in the, again, kind of low-scoring offense in the Mariners. The Mariners' pitching was pretty dominant. I mean, the Tigers... They didn't get a base runner past second. They only had two men on once against Bryce Miller. And for a team that we saw hit a handful of home runs against George Kirby and Luis Castillo on Friday and Saturday, they got really nothing yesterday. 
Well, and that was really encouraging, too, because uh, he's coming off of having that blister injury just before the All-Star break. Uh, we didn't know how that was going to heal. I heard him say post-game something about a certain pitch that he wanted to throw wasn't feeling right because he clipped his nail back too far. It's so crazy, all the, the intricacies that are involved with that. But it makes sense when you're just exerting so much power. Um, but yeah, just also, it was nice to get him that break um, before the All-Star game because they were watching his innings as well. I think it resulted in just basically one extra game off for him, but anything you can do to help get more out of him this season. It was uh, maybe a little too vivid of a description painted by Bryce Miller about the healing process of the blister and growing the fingernail oh. back and then you know the, the skin was cracked and... We were listening to that during the post-game show. I was like, ah, well, okay. We learned a lot about fingers and blisters that we didn't really need to know about. And, yeah, I mean, before the game, Scott Service mentioned that the plan all along was to have Bryce Miller go five max. They were hoping to get five out of Bryce Miller. Still didn't know how the finger exactly would hold up, like he said. Didn't know how he could throw some of those secondary pitches. And that was key against the Tigers because they sat on his fastball again. They made him go to the slider and sweeper. Very effective. It's what he had to do uh, the first time that he faced the Tigers in his third career start. So uh, to see that, I think that's uh, pretty encouraging. And now, four games against the Twins, who are a similar team to the Mariners. More comparison coming up uh, throughout the show, but really good pitching matchup tonight in the Mariners. You're going to see this when you face all of these teams, the balanced schedule this season. You play every single team in baseball, a lot of good pitchers. First pitch tonight at 640, it's Logan Gilbert and Sonny Gray on the other side. So you are going to see... One of the best pitchers in baseball on the other side. And again, here's a big challenge for the Mariners to face uh, an all-star starter. Oh, boy. No, (laughs) no, I think Logan Gilbert looked phenomenal coming out of the break. I have a feeling he could have a more dominant second half than, you know, than Castillo or Kirby. I I really have faith in him. And uh, it is not ideal to be going up against an all-star pitcher in the first game of this series you know trying to get back on track after the last one but i think we're going to see walter tonight here's the second thing you need to know well despite what's been a tough season for the storm a pretty cool individual accomplishment over the weekend jewel lloyd was named the wnba all-star game mvp You continue to take steps in this league and show that you are one of the best players in the world. How have you improved this season and what are you proud of as you walk off this court tonight as the MVP? Honestly, um, it's special because the last time I saw Kobe was here. And so I know that um, he's uh, constantly with me and uh, I try to live by his words of be epic and create forever. Yeah, how do you you argue with that? I mean, it was a pretty epic performance. She scored an all-star game record 31 points. 10 made threes. Oh I love that. I think Jewel Lloyd's stat line was like 10 for 21 from the three-point line. Why not? It's an all-star game. So all of her field goals uh, came from the three-point line. Team Stewart, Team Brianna Stewart, defeated uh, Team Wilson 143 to 127 in that one. Just that chaos is there. 10 threes. Wow. And she, I mean, she was on a stacked team. She had, of course, Brianna Stewart, who was the captain, Brittany Griner, Sabrina Ionescu. I, yeah. It was a, it was quite the performance for Jewel Lloyd. Here's the third thing you need to know. Big NFL news over the weekend. DeAndre Hopkins has reportedly signed with the Tennessee Titans and ESPN's Diana Rossini says it's a two-year deal. Could be worth up to $15 million, including a $12 million base salary this season. That seems like it kind of came out of nowhere with Hopkins saying he wanted to you know, play for a good team. He had listed all these quarterbacks he wanted to play with. Then all of a sudden, he goes to a, a middling team like the Titans. 
Yeah, uh, the quarterback list that he had was were pretty premier guys, and he kind of made it sound like he wanted that because he wasn't happy playing with Kyler Murray. So seeing him go where Ryan Tannehill is kind of phasing out and you have some questions beyond that at quarterback was a little surprising to me. Um, but they do have a good defense, which was one of the things that he did say he wanted on a team. Um, I figured that we would be talking about this today, though, since you left Gore, a Titans fan. <laughs> yeah, How are you feeling we will about talk this? about it. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to immediately just turn to the negative because I know fandom and I understand that diehard fans of teams, you you have been hurt before, things like that happen. So I, I do relate to the portion of the Mariners fan base that no matter what happens, they're always going to skew negative because they've just built up that wall. They have pushed down any positive emotion and they're just preparing to get hurt. Yeah. So that's how I kind of feel with the Titans. I mean, they brought in Robert Woods last year. Absolutely nothing happened. They have brought in aging wide receivers before and nothing has come of it. But hey, it gives them something to talk about. The Titans have been kind of arguably the team of the offseason. They they won the schedule release with okay. that video. Oh, yeah. yeah. They Where won they the schedule the, uh, release. The they asked the people around Nashville name to teams. name teams and they did this. So good things, good storylines in the offseason. I'll also try to skew optimistic and then when the season starts, uh, maybe the turn toward negativity. But yeah. Well, I, I know, guess it's, I know it's from news. my fantasy football ventures that they they could they could have used another receiver last year. <sighs> they could have used a lot last year. Uh, <laughs> another thing you need to know, Carlos Alcaraz wins his first Grand Slam by knocking off Novak Djokovic in 5 sets to win the Wimbledon title. The 20-year-old just becomes the fifth man to win a Wimbledon title in the last 20 years. Djokovic, Nadal, Roger Federer, and Andy Murray, the other four. So they have kind of dominated tennis, that era of the big three. And yes, I wanted to talk about tennis, Maura. You didn't want to talk about it, That's but fine. No. I was going to get to it. Uh, well, I want to I want to know. I saw some highlights. It looked like Djokovic was pretty heated. Uh, he is. He gets fiery. Yeah. He gets a little petulant. So he goes <laughs> he goes through antics. I could get into this uh, for hours about Novak Djokovic. I don't like him much because I don't think he's very like he guy. becomes very diva like. There yeah. is a there is a pretty funny thing that gets made fun of a lot now that when he gets mad about a call, he goes into this thing where he tries to almost force the line judge to call him out. He'll bounce the ball 50 plus times waiting for his serve and just sit there and annoy the heck out of everyone. So he has his little shenanigans, but he's very good. I mean, he is arguably the greatest to ever do it now because his Grand Slam count is higher than anyone else. So good for the young blood and good that yeah. Novak might be uh, on the downswing. Oh. Yeah, that's like a kind it. of a little uh, little talk about what happened over the weekend. We're going to get more into the entirety of the weekend, including this whole Mariner series and uh, some things that happened around baseball. And how about there was uh, an impressive cross-sport performance. We're going to talk about that. That's all uh, coming up next. You're listening to the Brock and Salk Show. Maura Dooley, Mike Lefko in here on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Hope you're happy, uh, having a... Ooh, can't even talk. That's what happens <laughs> at 6.31 on a Monday. I was going to say, hope you're having a happy Monday. But more, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this early on a Monday. Yeah, you're usually you're well polished, a I'm night sure. shift guy. Night shift guy, yeah. I don't think you can really get well polished really? at being up at... Four in the morning. You never get used to it? No. <laughs> you get a little more used to it. I, I cannot imagine getting used to that. I know plenty of people do. I mean, 
People are working early morning jobs, so all the credit in the world to you guys who are driving around or listening to us while you're on your way to work or working right now. It does take just a different wiring, I feel like. Yeah. So uh, I'm getting there, but the, the coffee is kind of hitting, hitting. There's waves of jitteriness. <laughs> and yeah, if the words don't come out correctly, give me until like 8 o'clock okay. uh, and then we'll be good to go. But yeah, it's also because it's a Monday. So we're coming off a weekend and plenty of sports are happening. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go around the weekend, catch up on everything that went on for the Mariners and everything going on in sports. Sounds good. All right. We usually uh, start out kind of going game by game with the Mariners here. So we'll take a look at Friday. Unfortunately, the trend of Luis Castillo giving up early home runs continued with Kerry Carpenter's two run shot in the top of the first. It looked like Julio was going to answer with a home run in his first at-bat since the All-Star break when he took a Eduardo Rodriguez pitch deep, but Matt Vierling pulled off an impressive robbery at the wall. Swing on and set deep to center field. Big time carry. Looking up and reaching up. Did he make the catch? He did. Matt Vierling took a home run away from Julio. Oh. Yeah, I think that would have been... The perfect way to come out of the All-Star break because the fans had already seen Julio just go nuts in the home run derby. That was such a cool moment. The 41 home runs in the first round to build off that and think, all right, well, now he's going to do it. That's going to lead to some success in the second half of the season. And after the All-Star game, we had kind of talked about that approach in his final at bat in the ninth where he, he draws a walk. So that turns into a walk in that plate appearance. The and mature thing the to mature do. The mature thing to do, right. they're chanting your name. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, now everything's going to come to fruition. Everything's going to click for Julio. But that kind of summed up the Mariner season. Ah, another home run, Rob. It's happened to him twice this year. It's just, yeah, it kind of, uh, kind of weighs on you. Yeah. Felt like that could have been a way to kind of start the game off with some momentum. Um, the Ums had some pretty bad at-bats from that point on. They weren't helped by uh, the ump that night. No. Pretty, pretty poor no. <laughs> showing from him as well. <laughs> um, but still, they struck out six times and only had one runner reach base heading into the bottom of the fifth. Uh, then they had some opportunities there where Rodriguez walked. Um, where Rod- When Rodriguez walked, Suarez and, T- and Tom Murphy were hit. And A.J. Pollock's single and Dylan Moore double brought the Ums within one run. But Pollock inexplicably stayed put on a ground out by JP when he could have scored the tying run. Yeah. What was going through your head there? Yeah, just a lot of little moments, too. I think that's kind of the story of the Mariners' season. That they aren't aren't locked in at times. They don't have that entire inning approach where they're just completely on. So all these little things add up. And when your margin for victory is so slim throughout a season and in the course of a game, things like that hurt. Whether it's the the Dylan Moore drop or errors that we have seen base runners then lead to home runs later. That Cardinals series, it really was glaring where you had uh, a couple of missed throws and errors and then Cardinals hit home runs and that Sunday win they had. And then, yeah, I mean, when it ends up being a one-run game, that looks even more glaring in the aftermath. I mean, the Tigers had kind of pushed ahead a little bit. So when their lead is two runs, that doesn't pop up as much. You're like, okay, that's bad. But the Mariners still need two. Then I'm going to jump ahead, right? Because you're going to get to that. But when the deficit gets to one, you go back and think, oh, if A.J. Pollock had come home and scored on a play where the infielder dives, yeah, he is on his stomach. He seemed, had a dive. He had to get like reset. It seemed like the obvious decision. I don't, yeah, I don't know what happened there. I know A.J. Pollock knows his speed better than we do, but still, when you get that lead, and I know the infield's in, the second that guy goes down, make him make a play. Make him throw that. And make a play at the plate. Yeah. 
So yeah, that that just kind of jumped out there. And it just feels like I know people were pointing out before the All Star break that their record record wasn't that different than last year, but it just felt like they were more, as you said, dialed in last year. They weren't making these silly little mistakes. They were actually, you know, making things happen that won them the game in the final, the chaos ball. But yeah, so Ty France was then ejected for arguing his strikeout and Kelnick came into the game. Were you surprised that he wasn't in the lineup to begin with on Friday? Uh, I know coming out of the all-star break, but it was a lefty throwing, right? Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. So just going with the matchups and that's, it's good to have a guy like that off the bench in case an injury happens or an ejection. Injection. Uh, I think it's, I think it's more of so everyone's going to need a rest at some point over this next month because the schedule is so daunting. It's 13 straight games out of the all-star break. Then there's a day off and I think like seven more and then another long stretch. So yeah, if you're getting your break there for Kelnick, I think I was okay with that because now I expect he is going to play every game from here on out, at least until that day off. So it kind of was a little bit, oh, okay, Kelnick's not in, but came in, had that nice hit, and uh, it turned out they needed him off the bench because, yeah, Ty France out of the game there uh, a day after his birthday as well. Oh, man. I think, oh, yeah, so he had just turned 29, and I was thinking, all right, maybe... Maybe 30 is looming, and he's just dreading that, so he's a little more frustrated. You know, as you get older, the birthdays, they kind of they lose their <laughs> importance, and you almost you get annoyed when the birthdays come yeah. instead of getting happy. I think maybe Ty France was just like, all right, I got a year till I'm 30. This stinks. I'm frustrated. I'm getting mad at the ump. Uh, no, those calls were bad. And there's yeah. a little more. There's a, I don't know if you uh, were aware of this. There's a little Twitter conspiracy, at least there was Saturday morning, because umpire scorecards did not have that umpire's report from that Friday night game. What? And they released something that said, uh, due to the discrepancy in pitch tracking, there were more than five calls not available, so we were unable to generate a report card uh-huh. for the umpire in that Mariners-Tigers game. Oh, well, I would buy that conspiracy theory. Yeah, and everyone was like, was oh, bad. okay. Yeah, suspiciously, those calls weren't available because, yes, uh, you could see afterwards the pitch to tie France was inside. Mm-hmm. I get the frustration. But he also completely showed the ump up. He threw the bat and he turned around and looked right at him and didn't move. It was a little bit of a quick hook by the umpire, but hey, he's going to try to double down on his bad call. So yeah, Ty France uh, thrown out of that one. Uh, Then Nick Maton hit a two-run homer to make it 5-2 Tigers in the seventh. The M's offense remained pretty anemic until the eighth when a Kelnick double drove in Julio to make it 5-3. And then Mike Ford (laughs) did what Mike Ford does. Ryan kicks, and pitch swung on, deep drive, right field, got carried, there it goes, hey there, Mike Ford, got a 5-4 ball game, stay hot young fella, his ninth home run, 18th RBI, and we got a one-run contest. Does, yeah, doesn't it feel like Mike Ford always comes through with a, a random solo home run? Yeah, you keep waiting for it to stop, but he's uh, still on a roll, and that pulled them within one run in the ninth, like... Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating to to see him <laughs> on this run. Uh, I don't know how long it will last, but it is fun. Too bad there wasn't anyone on base. Uh, Julio had a shot to win it with runners on first and second and two outs, but was called out on strikes. Mariners lose by four. So you do think back to that AJ Pollock, uh, what would have tied the game run if he had decided to. Yeah, so in hindsight, it becomes much worse. And yes, Mike Ford, he has four home runs in the ninth inning 
wow. remember the Orioles series and this one. And in, in the last three innings, inning seven through nine, he has five. So just as the game starts to kind of wind down, Mike Ford will pop in with a clutch home run. What's also frustrating about this season is things like that were what led to Mariners wins last year. All those comebacks, all of the yeah. refuse to quit, the the gritty comebacks, the, the feeling that they were always in a game because they would generate some offense in the eighth or ninth innings or even in extras, generating a, a home run or finding ways to get on base. And then it would work out when you get two more runners on in the ninth. But this has been the complete inverse of that, where you get two on, you get the guy you want up at the plate in Julio. And there you think, OK, it's the exact situation as the All-Star game. He is up with a chance to tie or take the lead. He had worked such a good plate appearance in the All-Star game. And this time, probably you know a little bit different stakes. Uh, there you're back in a Mariners uniform, trying to be the hero because there is so much on him. There are so many expectations on Julio this year and for the rest of his career that it feels like taking a walk in that situation is a little tougher. You know, yeah. if you're Julio, you are trying to be the hero right there. And it might not necessarily be a home run, but it's an extra base hit. It's something that brings the crowd to life and hopefully wins or at least ties the game. And a walk just doesn't have that same luster. So I think I get the frustration from fans. I also understand Julio in wanting to do that, putting that pressure on himself. It's a lot tougher in that situation to, in the moment, in and at bat where... Balls are coming fast. You don't have any time to stop. And with the pitch clock now, you don't really have time to do your routines or take an extra moment in the box. You got to stand in there and find the right mental space to put together the, okay, I want to be the hero, but I also want to take a good plate appearance if it's there. And that's the battle, the internal battle I think he's dealing with. So we're seeing that kind of come on the losing side some sometimes here with Julio. And it's just, it's unfortunate that he's been the guy that it has kind of ended with a few times this season. Yeah, it's it's tough to watch. And for, for someone that is so, we talked last week about how he's so driven by the fans and feeds off of them so much. It's got to it's gotta be an intense battle to not want to try to give them what they want from you. But, um, I mean, I did see some positive signs from him this weekend, but that was, that was a, a bummer way to end it on Friday for him. Uh, yeah, you were. I was just looking at Mike Ford after we were talking yeah. about that. The fact that he didn't come up until what June, Mike Ford. Yes, yeah, yeah. And he is, he is fifth on the team in home runs. And Suarez <laughs> and Kelnick only have two more than him each. Like they they have eleven each, and he has nine. Yeah, not, not the way mm-hmm. you saw things going. And that was just Friday. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have Saturday now. Kerry Carpenter strikes again early, hitting a solo shot off of Kirby to start the second inning. One one. Oh, wait, no, we're not going to play that one. We're going to play. Wait, there's more. <laughs> Kirby seemed to settle in a bit after that, but found himself in trouble in the fifth when he gave up a walk and a single with a runner on second and two outs. Who else but Kerry Carpenter again? One and one. Pitch the Carpenter. Swung on high drive. Deep right center field. Over the 380 mark, 15 rows back, home run, Kerry Carpenter, a three-run shot. And the Tigers have blown it open here in the fifth. As Dave Sims said, a three-run shot. So by the fifth inning, he had accounted for four runs for the Tigers. Right, and there were too many Kerry Carpenter home runs to keep track of. I mean, this guy, so the, uh, the Tigers game notes yesterday, they did note that in the last month, 
he's one of the best hitting outfielders in the American League. But still, it's a guy named Kerry Carpenter, who's a second-year player on the Tigers, who are not a good team. They're a way below 500 team. And the fact that he had just went off this weekend, oof, it just it's the frustration all, all building and, and the confusion about why random players can just get hot against the Mariners. Carpenter only had eight home runs total coming into this weekend, yeah. and then he hits three off the Mariners' two all-star pitchers. Well, and I think what's so frustrating is that the the pitching staff has been amazing. Like Castillo, right. Castillo yeah. said, settled in and had a pretty decent game. Kirby, that was a bit of a rougher game for him, but still, it wasn't horrible. And but it's these like the early home runs combined with the fact that we've seen once they get behind early that the offense has mm-hmm. trouble battling back in that just make you feel kind of doomed even if a pitcher like even if Castillo recovers from giving up that early home run and has a pretty good game you're like oh no here we go again yeah they are vastly worse when the opponent scores first Mm -hmm. and that's what happened on Friday and Saturday I mean the Mariners didn't even have a base runner in either game until the fourth inning they want to talk about deflating when the fans are out there and there were great crowds I think there were over 32,000 every game this weekend I mean it was packed it was Coog's night, I learned, on Saturday. So there was oh, a special Mariners, uh, red Washington State jersey. So all the Coogs were there. We'll see if Bump went and if he got to his little Coogs jersey. I that but was a party. Yeah, that was, that was a great. So you got a great, rowdy crowd there, all excited. Yeah. And the Mariners fall behind. They don't get a base runner on until the fourth inning. They don't get a hit until the fifth inning. Michael Lorenzen was just, uh, it was like his home ballpark this week. He was there for the All-Star game. And I kind of wonder, I really did. I was like, you think he stayed? Right? You think he stayed in Seattle? He must have. He was here on Tuesday. Makes sense. The Tigers were in town Friday morning. I think they probably flew in Thursday or Friday morning. Yeah, I imagine he stayed. So he got comfortable. You saw that all-star dealing instead of the Mariners all-star. So Saturday was just a a very frustrating game because it culminated with a series loss and a shutout loss. Yes. As you said, the M's offense only mustered three hits on the day. They lost 6-0. Uh, here was Scott Service post game talking about the importance of Sunday's game. We just lost two in a row. At some point in the second half, we're going to lose two in a row. Okay, and uh, our team uh, has a history of responding, coming back, and fighting, and that's what we have to do tomorrow. We played two bad games. At another point down the road in August or September, we're probably going to play two bad games again. It happens. We've got to respond. That's the bottom line. You need to show up tomorrow, get after it, and uh, figure out a way to beat the Tigers. Well, they did that just that yesterday. Bryce Miller tossed five scoreless innings in his first game back since heading to the IL before the All-Star break with a bad blister on his finger. Miller uh, looked great yesterday and, as I said, tossed five scoreless innings. This was Scott Service talking about him after the game. You know, I thought his fastball is always a key pitch for him, but not just locating at the top rail, but getting it inside and tying up some hitters. Uh, Detroit's kind of a, you know, <laughs> they're better than their record is right now because they're healthy. Early in the year, they had a lot of guys out. Riley Green's a really tough out. You know, he missed significant time. But their pitching is now lined up. So um, they're a better team than I think their record shows. And I think they're going to play well um, throughout the second half because of that. And, you know, I thought, you know, Miller, they executed. He made pitches when he needed to make them, make them today. And it was a planned abbreviated start for Miller as they ease him back in. The bullpen backed him up with four scoreless innings out of Brash, Topa, Munoz, and Seawald. Seawald has been really good this year and he's another one um him and jp crawford that i think maybe we don't talk about enough 
Um, and then uh, Jerry Kelnick got the M's on the board early with a double that drove in J.P. Crawford for a one nothing lead in the bottom of the first on his 24th birthday. So maybe we can, like, are we getting to the point where we can stop talking about how he's so much younger than everyone else? 24 is still young. Still very young, but uh, before we were just like, he's younger than half the guys in AAA. <laughs> well, it's because he was struggling, and it was a way to justify yeah. saying he still has a lot of baseball years ahead of him, mm-hmm. that his career is so new in its infancy compared to guys who have labored and toiled away in the minors. Now that he's been in the majors for a couple years, yeah, I think it's more of a, in trying to establish Jared Kelnick, the age was almost a qualifier. Well, he's struggling, but... No, it makes sense. Yeah. But we were still doing that last year. I think maybe at 24, it's like, okay, he's a pretty normal age to yeah. be in MLB now. But he's also, he's turned that corner this year. And we're seeing that, like, we needed to be patient with him. Yeah, four-game hit streak now. I mean, Kelnick has been pretty solid. And uh, J.P. Crawford, it kind of went under the radar because they didn't score much. But on base, all four times. Three, three for three. Three for three. Yeah. Drew a walk in the ninth. I mean, the man leads all shortstops in on-base percentage. And in walk rate. And I think Scott Service even said, like, J.P. Crawford would probably be the MVP of our team this year. He did. So that's yeah. that's a, that's a surprise, considering the last couple of off-seasons have all been about, do you have to upgrade from J.P. Crawford? Well, he's been the one guy you don't have to worry about this season. Yeah. No, there was, uh, I think, quite a few fans mad that they didn't go all in on a big shortstop this off-season. And I don't know if I was at that point, but I was I was a little skeptical about how he was going to look this year. And um, credit to him, he went to driveline and put in the work. He even bulked up a little bit because he is a slender guy. And DePoto said that's been a bit of a problem for him in the past with his body kind of breaking down last year. And I think that served him well. Uh, all right. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where we left off oh, here. Oh, yeah. I interrupt. We, uh, you know, no, no, we, no. We derail the conversation. I, I, we can't forget this. The big dumper had a 432-foot solo shot in the fourth. Here's the pitch. Swung on. Lifted. Right field and deep. Back it goes. It's on its way and gone. Right center field. Ten rows back. Cal Raleigh. Lift off. And the Mariners extend the lead 2-0. Yeah, that was big for Cal Raleigh. Uh, first home run since June 25th. Wow. So good to see that. He continues to hit much better from that left-handed side. So just keep him there as a lefty. The home runs will come from that spot. Well, they didn't like get everyone, much besides that, though. Everyone on the Mariners was hitting these almost home runs yeah. all weekend. So it was nice to see him clear that big one. Yeah. Kalnick yesterday. You're right. And Dylan Moore's that went off the wall. And Julio's that was robbed. Mm. Just Tom Murphy didn't he have a long one. So it's just, wow. They were they were close. They're getting there and uh, didn't come to pass on Friday and Saturday. But uh, a Sunday win that is important because that's why it's so tough to just kind of completely throw the season out and say, well, they're done. I still kind of believe when they show things like this, when they have these these games and they have these stretches where it's true. It's got service said they lose two in a row. They don't really get swept. They've been swept twice this year. They were swept early in the season, that very yeah. confusing series loss to the Brewers. And then they were swept by the Rangers. Mm-hmm. So they've been swept twice. But outside of that, they've gone through those ebbs and flows and they have not lost more than four games in a row, and they haven't won more than yeah. four games in a row. And it goes back to your point of like, just when you're yeah. like, I'm out, they pull you back in. They And we'll get into that more uh, a little <laughs> bit later in the show, I think at 8 o'clock. But yeah, that was, uh, was a, that was a Mariners weekend. Hmm. Yep. 
So the M's return the favor of the shutout from the day before, beating the Tigers 2-0 and avoiding the sweep. Okay, can we um, talk about Steph Curry? Yeah. Let's talk about let's Steph Curry because I wanted to just we only have a couple kind of weigh left. in on how impressive that is. And yes. I bet Michael Bumpus, who was coming on at 745 for Blue 88, I bet that's all he wants to talk about. So <laughs> we'll let him that. do that on his show. But Steph Curry, Steph, he wins yeah. a golf tournament. He won the American Century Championship, which is a celebrity golf tournament in Lake Tahoe this weekend. Um, he beat retired tennis player Marty Fish and current NHL player Joe Pavelski. Uh, Curry hit a hole-in-one on the seventh hole, a tournament first. I've always dreamt of, like... Oh, wait, we'll, we'll listen to that hole-in-one first. It's obvious he can really play. Boy, this is right at it if it gets there. How about that? <laughs> well, hey, Rod, all I'll say is this. I think he pulled the right claw. <laughs> he hit some pre- pretty amazing shots. You know, I, I've made it known on this show that I'm not, like, a huge golf fan. But Even I, I understand, by that, I understand yeah. what good play looks like. Yeah, he hit some pretty tough and impressive shots in this. I am not as big of a golf fan as most of the people normally on this show. But, yeah, I can appreciate the majors. I can appreciate something like that. Can you imagine being so good at one sport? No. One of the best ever play basketball. And then, also, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to dabble in golf. You know, in my free time, when I have some time in the summers, when I'm not, uh, you know, running my my team and, you know, I have a family as well, I'm also just going to become a very good golfer. (laughs) When people just hack away and struggle at just golf in general. And, well, and it's interesting because I think I was reading that he's only the third or fourth active player to win this tournament that they, and they do it every year um like tony romo has yeah. won it before charles barkley certainly um, can't win it but so that makes sense that like a lot of these athletes once they dedicate the time can can get really good but it seems like normally when they're focused on their sport they're not going to be good enough to win this tournament so to, to be still playing and win it is seems like an even more impressive feat um so marty fish who i mentioned earlier held the lead most of the day but curry edged him out with an eagle on the 18th hole this was Curry talking about his win. I've always dreamt of like a situation like this on an 18th green in front of a crowd like that to make a putt. And you just stick to the routine, have so much confidence in yourself, live with the results. Thankfully, it went in, which is insane. Uh, been playing in this thing for almost a decade. And to know I uh, finally got a win, it's, it's pretty, pretty special, man. I didn't realize he'd been playing it that yeah. long. A yeah. decade. Steph Curry, who has won numerous NBA championships, is now in awe of winning a golf tournament. Yeah. Huh. So strange. It uh it was it was very, very impressive. I want I want Bump to talk about that a little bit because big golf guy, and I'm sure he can kind of give proper context to uh first of all the hole in one, because golfers chase that forever. Mm-hmm. And then winning a tournament when you're still an active NBA player. Not at his peak anymore, but still a very, very good NBA player. To just come in and do that. So, fun weekend. I know I uh, kind of threw this conversation more into the Mariners as it, as it tends to run off course, right? We never, do you guys always ever get to any of the around the weekends stuff that you build in there? You get derailed. Like, you get like derailed a, it's early. It's like a safety valve, yeah. but we generally talk the most about the Mariners games and then see what we can squeeze in after that. If there's a big golf tournament, Salk usually makes sure there's oh, time. Of course. You know. Uh-huh. Also, we should say congrats to Tyler Lockett, who got married this weekend, and there were tons of current and former Seahawks in attendance, including Russell Wilson. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, maybe we'll have to talk about that at uh, at nine o'clock and get some 
fan's perspective on that because it did lead us to a curiosity. So we don't have to get into that now. We'll get into that later, though, that Russell Wilson was at Tyler Lockett's wedding. Cool moment for him. Uh, DK Metcalf, tuxedo shorts. Yeah. Not sure what people think about that. That's an interesting choice. I'm not sure a lot of people can pull it off, but I think DK Metcalf can pull it off. Okay. So we'll get your opinion on all of that. Uh, Want your thoughts as well on the Mac and Jack Stats line, 866-979-3776. The Mariners are hosting the Twins for four, and then they're going to play them again next week. So seven games against the Twins in the next ten And there are a lot of similarities between these two teams. Is that a good or a bad thing? We'll break that down next. Mike Lefko, Maura Julian. It's the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.